0: So 20 questions this morning, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to be flicking all over the place, but I just want to read uh, probably the most famous passage on prayer in the entire Bible, which is Matthew 6, where Jesus does what we know as the Lord's Prayer, where we've added on a couple of bits ourselves, which aren't in the Bible, but it's all good. So I just want to read that before we start. I was going to do, uh, why should I, I was going to do, what is prayer? And I thought, well actually, most of us Probably we'll have an awareness or it's quite a simple question, simple answer. So instead, what I'm looking at is why should I pray? You know, a lot of the time we might grow frustrated in prayer, tired of prayer, not understand why we're praying, or feel like we're kind of hitting a bit of a brick wall with what we're praying, like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Is that just me? There's a few people shaking their heads, that's good. So why should we pray? What is it that should motivate us to pray? Uh, But before that, let me just read this passage from Matthew 6, because it's really significant. I'll come back to it in part a little bit later on. But it says this, verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses. Neither will your father forgive yours. And it's a a significant uh, passage of scripture where Jesus teaches us how to pray. He as our father and that's how we know I think Carl talked about this a couple of weeks ago while we address God as father and not mother it's really simple Jesus did it so we do it too and that's a lot of the things that we would be doing as churches how did Jesus what did Jesus do how did he act what did he say about God and we'll take our lead from that but I want to state as obviously there Matthew 6 but further to that that prayer is important In the Bible, in the totality of Scripture, there are 650 prayers listed. I haven't counted them all. I've based that on Google. So if you're going to kind of, you can blame Google if that's wrong. But 650. Of the 650, there's 450 recorded answers. So now that's not to say that all 650 weren't answered, but 450, there's stuff written down that says they've been answered. The first prayer in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 4. That's pretty early on if you don't know where that is. Um, and that's, but actually, before that, you see God walking with man. But rather, it's, it's, it's the first time in the Bible it says that man called upon the name of the Lord. That's in the fourth chapter of Scripture. Um, the New Testament records Jesus praying 25 times. The Apostle Paul mentions it over 40 times in his letters. The Bible spends a great deal of the time talking about prayer. Okay? Not just talking about it, but the disciples, the apostles, Jesus, doing it as well. And you see all different kinds of prayer in the Bible, there's prayers of faith, there's corporate prayer, there's private prayer, there's prayers of thanksgiving, worship, consecration, there's imprecation which is cursing, we see that in the Psalms a little bit, not one for us I don't think. Prayer in the spirit and prayers of petition, you see people praying on their knees, praying stood up, praying sat down, praying face down and praying with holy hands raised. As you read through scripture, there's just so much that talks about prayer. The point is this. God thinks prayer is important. The apostles think prayer is important. Jesus thinks prayer is important. But don't we struggle, do you not think a little bit, to get excited about prayer? I'm looking for some response there. There's some nods. Really exciting in scripture. A lot going on. God's really for it. But we're like, (sighs) oh. There's a bit of a disconnect there, isn't there? Something somewhere has gone wrong for us. Prayer is this, fundamentally, an encounter with God. That's what prayer is. So if that's what prayer is, shouldn't it be the most exciting thing in the world? Because we're encountering God by his spirit. That's what prayer is. And yet, somehow, we're all a bit like, oh, prayer. It's not just updating God on life. As we read in that passage there, Matthew 6a, your father knows what you need even before you do. Even before you ask him, God knows. So it's not just merely updating him, but that's good to do. It's about encountering him. It's about investing in that relationship with him. And it's funny though, this prayer is such a huge thing. Yet, Say you have a prayer meeting, and not just here, but across the board, it's always the worst attended meeting. A prayer meeting. A place where you encounter God. The worst attended meeting. Now I don't know that what tells us about our Western Christianity, but I tell you it tells us shallow. Because my friends in Africa will pray and pray and pray and pray. Because they know it's encountering God. So what is the disconnect? What has happened for us in the UK and the US and Western Europe that kind of says, Well, we know prayer is important, but the way that we go about it says something else. You look at my prayer life, it says something else about what we believe of prayer. Now, have you ever tried to have a relationship with someone when nobody talks? Have you ever tried that? Yeah. A laureate. (laughs) But that went well. Um, Or your only method of communication. I had this once where someone, uh, remarkably, someone was attracted to me. Wow. But their only method of communication was like sending me MSN messages. This is back in the day now. This is before Facebook Messenger. And they would just, that was all they would do. They wouldn't actually pick up the phone and talk to me. They wouldn't, you know, and today even more it's, oh, I'm just going to tweet you. I'm just going to send you a Facebook message. I'm just going to text you. Can we please start picking up the phone? Can we please start having a conversation? Yeah. In, our, in our friendships, in our boyfriend, girlfriend, as our husband, wives, let's start talking. Communication is really important. You know, you go out for meals. I've done this. It's terrible. I should have banned these, I think. And you just sit there on your phone. Oh, it's all right, Grace. I'm just checking Sky News instead of chatting about life. You know, we're kind of glued to these things on our iPads instead of actually communicating. Instead of talking to one another. You know, our relationships don't work if we don't communicate. And it's exactly the same with God. You know, I had this rather painful experience with a girl once, who wanted to stop talking to me. And you know what? That ended the relationship. And I remember distinctly deleting her number from my phone as a painful experience. It was a sad day. Actually, my mother made me do it. (laughs) That's embarrassing, isn't it? I'm not going to tell you how old I was. (laughs) It was before I was married, though, so it's okay. But that relationship then was just dead in the water because there was no communication. There was no relationship. The same is true of God. If we don't talk to him, if we're not praying to him, if we're not listening to him, what does it say about our relationship with him? Dead in the water, nothing there, no substance to it. The purpose of prayer is more than that as well. It's not just about a relationship, but in doing that, in by spending time with him, our trust deepens, our faith is built we grow in our dependence upon him, just as you would do in an earthly relationship. The more you know them, the more you spend time with them, the more you trust them. The same is true with God. I think we struggle with our prayer, our private prayer, and maybe praying in public, because somewhere along the line, the lie of the devil has said that prayer is not as important as we make it out to be. That we say, well, reading my Bibles top of the list. Fellowshipping with people second, worshiping, playing my guitars third, and prayer is somewhere down there. That we just relegate it somehow as to being less important than it is. I remember once I was sat in an office praying away, purposefully pray one of the jobs of an elder or leader is to pray and watch over, so I'm doing that, be pleased to know. And again, I get a knock on the door, so I ignore it because I'm praying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Jesus here. I'm in a God moment, I'm in the zone. Knock comes again, and then they just burst in. Um, I said, oh, am I interrupting anything? Oh, I'm just praying, actually. Oh, I'm not interrupting anything then. And I thought, actually, I'm encountering the king of the universe here. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was writing a sermon, they'd have gone away. They'd have gone oh, I can see you preparing something. But the fact that I was praying, they just burst in. Now, our prayer is our relationship, our talking to our Father in heaven. It's not something that we just want to kind of. Now, we can do our own prayers, we can pray as we go, but there's something to be said for giving time and having a set time where we're praying and investing in that. Some of my thoughts that I collated together, I also asked Joe Boston these as well. When we think of prayer, we think of prayer meetings. Now, I think these are some of the reasons that we have a bit of a disconnect with prayer as well. These are some of the things I came up with dull, boring, a waste of time. The awkward silence in prayer meetings. You know when everyone's sat around in a room and it's a bit awkward. Or even in open times of prayer and I stand at the front. There's a a little secret here. I stand at the front and say, it would be brilliant to hear one or two pray from the congregation. I'm then praying in my head, I pray God someone prays. (laughs) Please someone pray. (laughs) And it can just be a bit awkward sometimes. Or maybe our experiences of God in our prayer mean that we, when we think of prayer, we have disappointments. Maybe there were prayers that we had and God didn't answer in the way that we expected. Or we still are praying and still seeking, but we still haven't had an answer. And so we end up a bit disillusioned, a bit disappointed. Maybe we've been on the end of what I would call a sermon prayer. Where someone isn't allowed to preach, and so they preach through a prayer instead. And it goes on for half an hour and you become a bit, oh, you know, if that's what prayer is, no thanks. If that's what a relationship with God looks like, I don't want to part of that. All these things, I think you put them together and you end up with a bit of disillusionment when it comes to our prayer life. A bit of a disconnect with the power of prayer. Sometimes, and this, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like it's dead time. You know, I'll start the day and I'll be praying and then I'll start, you know, it'll be 8am then or 9am or whatever. And I'll go, oh, now the day starts. Now I'll do something constructive. Lie of the enemy. I've done probably the most constructive thing I'll do all day in talking to my father already. It's not dead time. It's not a waste of time. It's not, it's an investment in following after God. Maybe we think our prayers just hit the ceiling so we give up. Maybe our prayer life is just saying, "rubber a dub dub thanks for the grub. And thank you, Jesus, for today, amen. And that's the sum total of what our prayer looks like. And we wonder why. We wonder why we don't have answered prayer. We wonder why our relationship with God has no depth. We've got to create time. I read this quote and it says, To fail to pray is a failure on our part to treat God as God. That's what a failure to pray is. A failure to treat God as God. And I struggle with prayer as much as you probably do as well. So this, what I'm talking about this morning is aimed at me as much as it is aimed at you. So why should we pray? And I've just picked a few reasons. I think there's a multitude of reasons as you go through scripture. Is how do you counter this despondency? How do you counter the disillusionment? What is it that's so good about prayer? Why should I, as we leave this morning... Be fired up and go home and go, yes, I want to pray. Yes, I want to enter in. I want to give some time. I want to spend time every day praying to my Heavenly Father. What is it that should motivate us and cause us to do that? And the first thing is this. It increases our trust in God. Because we spend time with Him. We understand Him more. We understand His Word better. And our dependence upon Him grows. All you have to do is read the Proverbs. All you have to do is read the Psalms. And you'll get a feel for what dependence upon God physically looks like. One of my favourite proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Maybe the start of this choosing to trust in God is in little steps. You know, we do this, don't we? We compartmentalise our lives. We say, well, God, you know, I'll trust you with my financial situation. I'll trust you with my housing situation. But my family's future, I'm going to keep control of. I don't trust you with that. I'm not going to pray about that. I'm not going to ask for your help with that. I'm not going to say, God, I give that to you because I don't trust you. That's ultimately what we're saying when we do that. And it's, we compartmentalise. So maybe one of the ways that we need to start trusting God is if we start trusting God in smaller things and you will see God answer those prayers, you'll see God meet those needs, then surely true we can trust him with the big decisions that we have in our life as well. That proverb says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not just parts of it, but all of it, and he will make straight our paths. Now that doesn't mean we'll have an easy life. I love how some people when they read the Bible, they go, oh my, all my paths are going to be straight. Life's going to be easy. It's not what it means. It means according to God's will, we'll be in it. Whatever God has planned for us, we'll be walking with him. Sometimes there will be tough times. But we'll be walking with him. We'll be journeying with him. And we can trust him. Not just when it's easy. When life's going well, it's easy, isn't it? But you know, our backs up against the wall. There's some big decisions to be made. That's when our faith Is trusted and that's uh, tested, and that's when actually we need to know that we can trust our Heavenly Father who we're praying to. And that only comes around when we're actually talking to Him. To fully trust in God is to not lean on our own understanding because our ways are not His ways. I recall, I mean, most of you will know this, but recently we've moved house, and that's been a bit of an adventure. In the, probably from March time, maybe even February or January, we were actively looking as to where can we move, where can we go, where can we find somewhere that you know, is within our means and all these kind of different things. We go to the council for help to say, well, can we get signed up with you in order to be put on the council housing, to be able to be given some housing and get some benefit and all that kind of stuff. Door slammed in our face. Oh no, we give you zero points. No, you need points. Points mean prizes with the council. We had zero for some reason, and they wouldn't shift that. Even though I phoned up, I phoned up the homeless service and thought, "Well, we're going to be homeless here." On the on the, on the phone to the homeless people, I said, oh, "Can we have some more points, please?" And they said, "No." I was like, "Well, oh, that's helpful. Thank you very much. I'm glad I've paid my taxes all these years, yes. but in my moment of need." So the homeless people—they well, didn't help us either. The council, well, they wouldn't help us. So I went to every estate agent in Chesterfield and said, "Can you, when houses come up that are two, three bedroom in Chesterfield, within walking distance of town, so we don't have to be faffing around if I've got the car, etc., etc., etc. Can you email us through stuff?" Well, they were really good. They didn't even spell my first name right. How hard is it to spell Daniel? Not hard, is it? And then they would send me. Ah, uh, here's a, a one-bed flat in Sheffield. <laughs> well, that's not what we asked for. That wasn't helpful either. And it was almost like all the time, I've just got this sense now, and the sense back then was God saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Yeah. Oh, you want to trust in the estate agents? They think you're going to, they're going to help you. Ha, 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 good luck with that. Slammed in the face. Oh, the council! Now, it's obviously good to be proactive, and it's good to search and help, put, you know, we've got to walk the walk, haven't we? But sometimes we go to the council, we go to uh, the housing association, we go to X or Y, our friends, our relatives for help, instead of going to our father. And we go to him last. And as if to say, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me with even a big thing like moving house? And you know what? In God's timing and in God's provision, it worked out. You know, our neighbours one day said to us, oh, we've got a house would you like to have a look at it? We we knew they had a house, but we decided we weren't going to say we'd be brilliant tenants, because we probably wouldn't be. But it all worked out in the end. And it's that kind of, if God has brought us safe this far, he's not going to let you go now, is he? Whatever it is you're facing, and I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life, I don't know what the pressures that you're facing are. But if he's brought you safe the far, if he's answered prayers in the past, he will answer prayers in the future. That's one reason we pray our trust increases. You know, if you see answered prayer in the past, your trust is built, your faith is built for prayer in the future. But if we're not praying and all we're saying is thank you Jesus for my beans on toast, which is a good prayer, but if that's the summation of our prayer life, if that's the summation of our walk with God and our relationship with him, then our trust and dependence on him isn't going to grow, is it? The second thing is our faith is built. Our confidence is built in God as well. I've always found, I don't know if you do this, but if you write down some of the things you're praying for, if you journal or you just write them down, squirrel them away somewhere, and then you come back to them in in months after, you go, oh yeah, God did answer that prayer. I can see that now. The problem we have is we live moment to moment, don't we? We could pray for something this morning... And by next week we've forgotten what we were praying about. So that when it's answered, we don't give God the glory. And we go, oh, did God answer prayer today? I can't remember, because I can't remember what I was praying about this time last week. I've slept since then. It's just a little tip, something that I do, something you might want to think about doing. Just writing down what you're praying about. And then when they're answered, you know, either give it a little tick. Or write down how God answered it. Because most of the time it won't be in the way that you've asked for. It doesn't work like that because his ways are not our ways. Jesus says these quite, I want you to get the gravitas of how staggering these words I'm about to read are. Mark 11, this is Jesus and it's about praying with faith. I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I just want to kind of give you a moment there. I can say that again. I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It's quite staggering, actually, isn't it? What he's saying there, but he's talking about faith. He's talking about prayers of faith. Now, of course, there are a couple of stipulations, if you like, that would be in brackets, but well, they're not in the Bible. But you get from wider reading that we want to be asking with godly motives. What we're asking for is got to be godly, but at the same time as well, it's got to be according to God's will. But the Greek text, if you read Mark 11, actually interprets and says it: you pray. And you believe that you have received it. As in the moment that you pray, you are believing you have received it. Not that you will receive it, but that you have. That's what the Greek says. That's what Jesus is saying here. Now obviously, when you get into that a little bit, you can uh, go one of two ways really. And it can kind of be abused a little bit. I remember once, that's <laughs> very funny... I was at a conference and this woman got brought out to the front who was sick, I mean that's not funny. Um, She wasn't very well. I think she had a gammy leg, but like me really. And um, so I went out to pray for her. And I'm praying for her, praying, well you might have heard this, I don't know, I sometimes forget what I've said. And I was praying for her and there was a couple of people and uh, the guy on the mic said, what are you doing? So I'm just praying for her leg so that it gets better. And he said, oh no, you need to stop praying. I want you to stop praying, and I want you to command that it's already taken place. She's healed, isn't she? And she stood at the front, kind of going, mm, not really. <laughs> My leg's still hurting. I was like, okay, I'm just going to ignore this guy on the microphone. This something you on the mic, like a mic of power. It's a different story. But I just carried on praying for this woman. I don't know whether her leg got better or not, but we have to be careful, don't we? It's God that does the miraculous, not us. We are his hands and his feet, but we should still pray. We should still ask for God's hand to move. But the way that we pray is what Jesus is talking about here. The way that we pray, if we pray in faith and we believe it's godly and we believe it's in the will of God, we should pray as if it's happened already. That's what a prayer of faith looks like. To say, actually, this will come into being. It's like when we come to faith, if we're praying, God, will you rescue me? Do we pray as if God will rescue me? Or do we pray, God, thank you, you've already rescued me? It's the latter, isn't it? Otherwise, what what are we praying? It's kind of a vague, hopeful, oh, God, I hope one day you'll rescue me from sin, death, and hell. But it's no, God has, and I believe he has, as we pray. Now, we don't have magic powers, We can't wear ourselves into a frenzy or emotional hype to cause things to happen by playing nice music in the background. That's not what we're about. But instead we're about believing that in faith, uh, what it says in Mark 11, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. And there's an assurance sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this when you're praying, you just know that God has heard you. You just know that God has answered your prayer already straight away now sometimes it's not instantaneous but there might be a peace that comes in straight away i remember recently i went around to pray for someone and we were praying that the peace of god would fall upon him and there was a tangible sense straight away of that peace and gentleness like i've never experienced before it was like gentleness just rushed into the room god answers prayer and when he does our faith is built you see, was Jesus joking? Do you think? Do you think Jesus was having a bit of a joke with his disciples when he says this in Mark 11? Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be taken up and be thrown into the sea," and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Do you think he was pulling their leg? It wasn't, was it? It was a metaphor, but he's making a point. He's saying, though this may seem impossible, if you ask your Father, it can be made possible. Just as a mountain being thrown into the sea is seemingly impossible, actually, these things, if we go in faith, if we pray in faith, can be made possible. Even mountains being moved. Now, I'm not suggesting if we pray the Peak District goes away and we get the lovely seas off the coast of Lancashire. And they suddenly arrive. I not Chesterfield would be perfect if that were the case. Bit of Blackpool. Just the donkeys. (laughs) But our mountains and our life, we think, this is too impossible, God. I can't forgive this person because they've hurt me so badly. No, prayers of faith say this is possible. Or I'm so sick, nothing, no treatment can make me better. Or prayers of faith would say otherwise. That we believe that God can bring healing to every sickness and disease. Every sickness and disease. From a gammy leg free to cancer. Do we believe that, actually? Not just small things. Not just man flu. Carla kill for saying that. Not just man flu. But serious things. Serious ailments. Serious illnesses. The impossible, seemingly. That if we would only pray with faith. That God would break impossibility. Maybe conquering our shame. Our addictions. Just because we're addicted right now doesn't mean we always have to be addicted. Whether that's pornography, whether that's gambling, whether that's money, whether that's work, whether that's health and fitness, whatever we're addicted to doesn't always have to be the case. We can be set free from these things. We have to have a faith-filled, expectant faith. Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's what it's like when we pray. We don't see it but it can come into being. Prayer is not wishful thinking. That's why it's exciting and it's dynamic and it should be the best attended meeting when we have them, because it's encountering Jesus. They're not vague. We're asking for specific things. And our faith isn't, our prayers of faith aren't vague because they're prayers of faith to a person, a person who is not vague. But it's explicit in who he is and what he's come for. And that's to rescue and save. Here's a question for you. Is your God the God of the impossible? There's a song we're due to sing later, I think, that's called Break Every Chain. Do we actually believe that God can break every chain? We must do. We have to. But if we do and we, we believe that he breaks chains through prayer, why do we not pray more? Why do we not jump up and down and get a bit excited about prayer? It would like, oh, be fantastic to just... Get together and pray together. That when we're sick, we can believe that we can be made well. You know, if you're carrying an illness, you know we've, we've said, time after time on something, they come down and be prayed for. If you're ill, if you've got a bad back, if there's things going on in your life, oh, I've just, I'll just live with it. Why? Why? Why do we live with depression? Why do we just carry on with life as it's always been? Why can't we pray for God to come in and change situations? Maybe there's someone who you just can't forgive. Why? Why don't we pray about it? Why don't we seek God for it? Why don't we give it and trust him with it? Our faith is built when we come to him in prayer. Maybe we're facing a difficult situation. We don't know where we're going to live in the future. Or there's confusion about that. Let's pray about it. Let's pray together. That's got to be one of the beauties of church, isn't it? We come as individuals on Sunday mornings... But we come and we pray together. We pray for one another. We support one another, and our faith is built corporately. That's what's to happen, so I wanna challenge you this morning. If you're sick, or if you're fearful, if you're anxious, if you're worried, and I say, come on down, then do it. Because when we pray, our faith changes things. Prayers of faith change things. You know when we go and pray and I lay hands on the sick? Do I believe that God will heal them? Yes, 100%. Do I know that he will every time? Well, no, because sometimes he heals people, sometimes he doesn't. I'm not God. But you know what? I will pray with faith to say that he will every time. He's smiling at me. That's good. He's happy. Another reason we should pray is that it delights. It's what we're created to do, really, with with a... we're a creature, and we've been created for a relationship with God. When we pray, we're delighting in God. We're enjoying Him forever. That's, our prayer is an expression of delighting in Him. Our prayer is an expression of loving Him and trusting in Him for everything. You know, prayer isn't, contrary to that list I gave earlier, isn't stale, dull, boring, irrelevant for the Christian. It should be dynamic, enjoyable. It's exercising the gift of talking to the one who created the universe. It's amazing. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he starts with Father. We get to call God Father. That's an amazing privilege that those that trust in Jesus have to say Abba. That's a, that's a picture of an intimate relationship, actually. Do you have an intimate relationship with your Father in heaven? Because the path to intimacy, the path to trust, the path to our faith being built, the path to delight in him, is spending time in prayer. That's the answer. You want to know God more? Pray more. You want to hear from God more? Pray more. You want to grow in your faith? Pray more. You want to be used by God more? Pray more. Spend time with him more. The more we spend time with him, the more we're created and crafted into his likeness. The more you and I will look like Jesus to a fallen world, the more we'll represent Him on the front lines when we're doing mission, and we'll have a loving dad. And you know what's followed off by that is, "Hallowed be Thy name, holy, set apart, glorious be Your name." And yet we can call that holy, set apart, glorious God Father. We shouldn't be able to, but we can because of Christ. We can because Jesus has come, and as was sung about this morning, made the way upon the cross. Not for us to just go, thank you, Jesus, for my tea, amen. (laughs) It's not what he died for. He died so we can have a relationship with him, so that we can trust in God with everything. In Hebrews, there's this wonderful picture of Jesus as our priest. In the Old Testament, the priest would represent the people. He would be the one that could go into the Holy of Holies. He would do the sacrifices. He would be the one that plead for the people, that they could have a relationship with God. It was through the priest. Well, now Jesus is our priest. Jesus is the one who's made the sacrifice. Jesus is the one who pleads with the Father and says, they want a relationship with you. And through him, it's made possible. Through Jesus, we have the confidence and the assurance that we actually, when we pray, our our prayers go right into the throne room of heaven. They are heard by our Father. We have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. That's Hebrews 7. That's what I mean when prayer is an encounter with God. He hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. It's not sat in a room in a circle, bored stiff, waiting for someone else to pray. I hope that's not just me. Maybe you are a lot more spiritual than me. But you know, if you're in a prayer meeting and there's 20 people, and there's that kind of you've just prayed, and then you're waiting for someone else to pray. I'm just sat there waiting for someone else to pray. I'm actually praying. Maybe you are. Maybe you're much more spiritual than I am. But that's not what's pictured here. This is dynamic. This is intimate. This is drawing near. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Who wants to draw nearer to God this morning? Yeah? I know I do. I, don't want, I know I want a deeper relationship with him. And by asking God, by delighting in him in prayer, our intimacy with him develops. And finally... And really importantly, and really excitingly, prayer is being on the front line of mission. No matter what gifts and abilities we have, whether we preach, whether we play guitar, whether we are on connecting, whether we are serving the poor, whatever we're doing, whether we're a scholar, whether we're a worker, whether we're good at DIY, whether we're hands-on people, we should all be prayers, because it's the front line of mission. And we're asking for kingdom power. You know what? When we pray, it changes stuff. Do we realise that? When we pray, things change. And when we don't pray, things fail to change. We can, this morning, in all humility and in repentance, we have the opportunity, every single one of us, to come before God this morning and say, I want to live for Jesus. And a reflection of that is that we pray. We can't live for someone that we don't know. We can't live for someone that we don't talk to, that we don't delight in. We can be on mission, this is Luke 4:18, and I know we come back to these verses all the time. But our prayer, if we're praying for opportunities and praying for God's hand to move, we can see these things, I believe. The good news being preached to the poor, blind eyes being opened, freedom for captives and oppressed, declaration of God's grace. You know that doesn't start on the platform here on a Sunday morning. That's not where those things start. It's in the place of prayer. It's in the quiet place. It's in the prayer meetings. It's when we're gathered together pleading for God to move. Pleading for his spirit to fall down. We have to be hungrier more, we have to desire more because don't we want to see God's kingdom built in our town, don't we want to see more men women, boys, girls come to faith in Jesus Christ prayer moves the hand of God prayer changes things, prayer can change work situations, prayer can make your boss at work change from being the most horrible, obnoxious little man to being wonderful prayer can change hearts and lives because it's the spirit of God that does it, it's the spirit of God that changes people Prayer changed my life. I know every day of my life there are people that pray for me. It changes my life. It makes straight my path. James two says this. We don't have because we don't ask. It's a story when I was at university. And I was praying in tongues um, in a kind of leadership meeting. And afterwards, the person who wanted to take over from, CU you from me, I didn't want to take over. but she wanted to take over. Um, Let's <laughs> go on the internet, I don't care. She knows that, I think that anyway. And um, I was praying in tongues, and she just pulled me aside afterwards and said, I want you to stop praying in tongues, please. I want you to stop praying. You know, I know that you're not declaring things, you're just praying to your heavenly father, but I want you to stop, because I haven't interpreted it. Or no, one, no one's interpreted. And that's right, that we shouldn't declare, you know, if I started praying in tongues on this microphone now, unless there was an interpretation, I should stop. Okay? That's what we read in the Bible. Shouldn't be praying in tongues. Well, we should be praying in tongues and should be encouraged, but we want to pray that there's an interpretation. So my challenge to this girl was, have you prayed for an interpretation? Her answer was, no. I didn't know I was supposed to. So I said, okay, well, you go away and pray for the gift of interpretation, and I'll keep praying in tongues. You know, you don't have because you don't ask. We might say, oh, God doesn't use me. Are we asking to be used by God? I've never experienced God's Holy Spirit in a tangible way. I've never experienced that rush of gentleness that you described. Are we asking for it? Probably not. Are we pleading for it? Probably not. Or are we just casually waiting, expecting God to just click his fingers? <laughs> we've got to seek him. That's what the Bible talks about. We've got to pray. We've got to petition. We've got to have faith. Luke 11, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. you got to ask first. Seek and you will find. You've got to seek. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And you know what, this morning you might go, it's all well and good, but I sometimes just don't have the words. I sometimes just don't know what to say when I come to God in prayer. You know what, that's okay. Maybe you're still there, I don't know how to pray, I don't know what to pray. What do I say? Well, you just like, you talk to me, talk to God. But sometimes we don't have the words. Situations are so desperate. All we can do is groan. All we can do is sigh. Our hearts are burdened, but somehow it just doesn't translate. Ever had that? I just don't know what to pray. It's so desperate. I don't know what to say. Romans 8 says some amazing words. Paul says that the spirit of God helps us in our weakness. In other words, what he does is he takes our groans, he takes our sighs, and almost interprets them to God. That's what Romans 8 says. That when we don't even have the words to speak, we've still got to sign in Rome, you know. <laughs> we've still got to be in that place of prayer. But even when we don't know what to say, That God on our behalf, the Spirit of God on our behalf makes petitions to the Father. Our tears, our groans, our confusion, our worry. God just wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to forgive those who have hurt us. That we would forgive those people this morning. If we're carrying sickness, he wants us to come to him in prayer. That we'd be set free.